Every week on Talk Easy with Sam Fragoso, I invite an artist, writer, or politician to come to the table and speak from the heart in ways you probably haven't heard from them before. Some of my favorites are with Tom Hanks, Questlove, and Kate Blanchett. In recent weeks, I had talked to actor Dan Levy, director Ava DuVernay, and the editor of The New Yorker, David Remnick. You can listen to Talk Easy on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of On Purpose. This week, I talked to Tiffany Haddish in a hilarious, deep, thoughtful interview where we dive into family trauma, grief, sobriety, love, and dating. I got a big heart, and I'm very forgiving, but, like, don't abuse it. It's been abused enough. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss this one. Hi there, I'm Bob Pittman, Chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. Welcome to Math & Magic, Stories from the Frontiers of Marketing. This week, I'm talking to acclaimed musician and entrepreneur, Pitbull. I think that education is the real revolution because as much as we speak about all the problems that there is in society and in the world today, my mother's always told me, son, don't worry, the world's always been coming to an end. Don't let it scare you out of living. Listen to Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. It's been another busy news week, and we like to review the major stories of the week here on the Black Information Network. Today, we are joined by Black Information Network news anchors Morgan Wood and Bree Wood to discuss this week's major stories. This is the Black Information Network Daily Podcast, and I'm your host, Ramses Ja. So, a lot of stuff going on in the news this week. Um, obviously, the big story around here, the protests in Akron continue over excessive force used in the death of Jalen Walker. Uh, the curfew has been reinstated. A lot of stuff going on out there. Bree, why don't you tell us what's going on in Akron uh, with these protests and everything else? Hey, yes. Well, first of all, thanks for having me. Um, I can say that I'm heartbroken uh, at the fact that we are having this conversation yet again so soon. Um, I will be honest with you. I did not watch the police uh, body cam footage just because I could not stomach it. Mm. I know what happened to him. I I read what happened to him, but I did not actually want to see it. Um, it started as peaceful protesting because that is what his family wanted. So from all accounts, everyone who was out in Akron downtown which was easily over a thousand people. Uh, the last I read, it was peaceful. And that's how it started out. They were really just protesting, calling for justice. And then you got your rogue individuals who got in the mix and they started wanting to take down signs and be violent. And so one person who was an organizer got on the mic and he said, hey, 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 this is not what the family wanted. So if you are not here to peacefully protest, then this is not the place for you. Right. So his family, uh, Jalen, the deceased's family, really is just focused on getting the message out. Also, there were people uh, who were part of the protest, other mothers who have lost sons, children to um, excessive force by police. Uh, one woman in particular, I can't remember her name, but she was there from Texas. Her son was killed by police just a couple of months ago, and she has yet to have the body cam footage on that released. So she said uh, that seeing that body cam footage of Jalen, she almost had to leave like she couldn't stomach it herself. So I am applauding the majority of the protesters who were uh, in the downtown Akron area protesting peacefully, which is what the family wanted, but just kind of disheartened 
by the fact that we are still having the same discussion. And it was just ridiculous a firing that many times on an unarmed individual. Mm-hmm. I just, you know, it, it's, it's hard to comprehend. It's hard to wrap my mind around why at that many police and all of those guns drawn, would you feel the need to fire on that man that many times? Even if he was armed, he was still outnumbered, but he wasn't armed. So how is it that we're still having police on the force who cannot tell when a person is actually armed or cannot tell what someone is doing that you would have to fire on them that many times? Basically, you just murdered that man. So, you know, I don't really. There's a to your point, there's something that that troubles me about these every time we discuss them. And it's that um, the one thing that police officers can hide behind in these instances is that they say they fear for their life. Right. And I, I, the one thing that I, I disagree with is how they get to say they fear for their life and they get the narrative that they're the heroes um, and granted, we don't ascribe <laughs> or assign that, you know, title to them. Uh, our community right. historically doesn't, ne- doesn't necessarily look at police like the heroes. Um, but you know, the country has an overwhelming tendency to do so. And so it, it troubles me that they can be so given to fear, you know, this is how they, you know, are able to kind of, uh, circumvent the uh the ramifications from you know their actions and also they get to be the heroes at the end of the day it just doesn't really make sense and then it it just kind of shows that there are all these um beliefs that are so well ingrained in in our society that prevent us from affirming our humanity. You know, a, mm-hmm. a death like this, as often as these happen, um, I think the impact over all of us, our community at least, um, it further lets us know that what our value, what the value of our life is. Um, because right. oftentimes, you know, 99% of, 99 plus percent of the times actually, um, uh, these people walk away with, and there's no, charges it's just a slap on the wrist literally if 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 that right if that Mm -hmm. um but i guess the one positive thing i could say uh would be that at least the national attention is not dying down i feel like if there's anything that can be positive from this maybe the fact that national attention continues to grow around these cases and the disproportionate amount of black men that are uh being killed or detained on any level as opposed to men of other races and for what, because when you break it down, it's like we're constantly hearing the statistics of black men being the majority of people getting pulled over or prosecuted to the fullest extent of the law or having to be, or being murdered uh, by police and the justice department, uh, you know, president Biden, they've said they're closely monitoring uh, the shooting situation, whatever that means. But the uh, attorney general in Ohio uh, promises an independent a professional and objective probe into his death and the governor, DeWine, he's seeking police reform uh, after the death of Jalen Walker. So, I mean, if one thing politically, this is definitely a hot button issue, and I hope it does not become just a talking point for upcoming elections, but that they actually get something done in Ohio. 
Absolutely. And I know the question wasn't directed towards me, but if I could just yeah, jump please, in absolutely. and piggyback off of what you're saying to add insult to injury, like you said, we have dealt with this situation over and over and over again. We're continuing to fight for justice. And you know who else was scared, Ramses? Breonna Taylor was scared. Jacob Blake Jr. was scared, was scared, and their own relatives are continuing to fight for justice. Um, uh, Jacob Blake Sr. and Bianca Austin, who is Breonna Taylor's aunt, the two, those two were actually arrested yeah. and charged with rioting in that Akron protest yeah, during that. those Akron during that uh, Akron protest. So just to add insult to injury, here you are fighting for justice for your own relative, and then on top of it justice for the next man and the next man. And in the midst of that, you have to continue to fight for yourself. Literally. I, I saw the police were kind of roughing people up out there and, and they didn't want to show the pictures because of the face, because the face had been so beaten up by the police. So um, yeah, they're, they're literally fighting or being, <laughs> being fought is probably, well, or at least what I've seen. Um, so it's, it's a very, um, troubling thing to witness but um you, to, to your, to your point the, the national attention i believe is is absolutely hopefully pushing us all in the right direction absolutely uh, moving on uh and speaking of uh politics morgan um how about uh, you help us out with this one um there's a story of the black female uh, state senator who created a controversial twerking video have you seen that Yes. Yeah, so uh, in Rhode Island, State Senator Sierra Mack, she uh, uploaded a video on TikTok that is facing much criticism. So she is um, on the beach in a bikini, which is, you know, rightfully so. That's appropriate. Mm -hmm. But it's her behavior that is uh, people are talking about calling it sexually suggestive. So, um, yeah, in the video, Mack is encouraging everyone to vote for her. But the problem is that she is literally on a handstand twerking okay. <laughs> on a handstand <laughs> i just want to make sure you got that in there okay. yeah. so he, yes on a handstand twerking <laughs> i mean legs open everything you know but here's the um here's the here's the gist now she is up for re-election so the the somebody liked her in the beginning so somebody voted for her yeah. and in fact that it was her response to the criticism that she was receiving well for one she is an ivy league uh degree yeah. holding um uh uh senator so you know don't gotta, don't gotta get say that she, yeah. she is graduated from ivy league university and not only that um she says that that is what got her elected in the first place is that she's so real she's so raw and her constituents love her mm -hmm. because of that that she's she knows that basically she's not going to bs her people mm -hmm. now um Earlier this year, she was uh, she also generated some controversy for a tweet um, that introduced a sex education bill um, in the Rhode Island state legislature. But I mean, if this is how she is making her strides <laughs> on one hand. Some well, one of the comments were, was like, uh, you know, she's taking us back as a race 10 years. Uh, uh, only 10 you said only <laughs> only only three, three. <laughs> you think she's taking us all the way back i find it to be um i don't want to say innovative because it's not that's not necessarily innovative but i find it to be out outside of the box it's sure. definitely the box and she's definitely going to generate votes in places that maybe 
she might, you know, might not have normally generated those kind of votes. She's going to catch sure. the attention of certain people, which mm-hmm. I think is the overall goal. No, I, I agree with you on that. And I, I won't even say that I feel like she's taking us back. I don't think she's taking us anywhere. But I no, I, I really did not have an opinion on this because I didn't know who she was until this story hit. I had never heard of her. I said in our morning meeting, like, you know, I don't even think about Rhode Island, let alone the black people in Rhode Island. So I'm right. like, wow, there's a whole community that I'm just not paying attention to. So yeah. doing a deep dive into who Tierra Mac is. She's only 28 years old. Not right. that that matters, but she is young. Yeah, OK, young. so she entered the legislature in January of 2021, the first openly LGBTQ black person elected to the state Senate. Okay. So that is saying something for her. She obviously, like you said, had a platform that resonated with her people and she has the backing of the LGBTQ community in Rhode Island. Right. Okay. So that uh, twerking on a handstand in the sand was not real provocative for her, but for the rest of the country who had no idea who she was like us, it's like, wow, we don't see our state senators twerking. Oh, really? They don't do Come dance on. videos. We just had a president who wanted to grab him by the pee. Let's, <laughs> let's. Okay. <laughs> but was I, there I, footage? That's all I'm saying. No, we didn't have any that's, footage of that's that. A, that's a really interesting <laughs> point you make, Morgan, because um, it's it's strange when, when something is white. It's, I mean, I'm not telling you anything. You know, right, I'm not right? saying anything well, our listeners don't know. But if it's white, it's right. Right. So watch this. Mm. Watch this. Um, Some years back, I, I, you know, when I was in college, um, I had a professor. She taught African-American literature. And uh, in this class, we had to learn about music. We had to learn about dance. A lot of the dances that came from Africa to uh, the United States. And then, you know, given time, you Mm -hmm. know, there's a bit of... um, Distance. Evolution, attitude. There's a, there's a, there's, there's a gap between us and Africa. We've lived here for hundreds of years now. Right. Right. But a lot of the movements, a lot of the dances, a lot of the syntax, a lot of these things you can draw, you can draw um, a, uh, you can trace them back rather to uh, Africa, to West Africa and and other parts. Um, And the dance I want to focus on in particular, because twerking is not new. Twerking is as old as music and music is as old as the drum and the drum is about as old as the heartbeat. All that comes from Africa. Right. And so um, it's only a problem if people see it and they have no historical or cultural context. Um, But, you know, to your point, when they see an actual vulgar person saying and doing actual vulgar things, provided that he's white and empowered by at least some people. Um, You know, I'm not going to act like half of the country wasn't very upset by the fact that he said that because there are some sensible folks in this country, but there is a group of people that will just accept anything provided that it has this thin veneer of patriotism and uh, a white face. And that's something that is, that's what we're working on. And, And so we'll see how things flesh out in the future. Hence why we're not surprised. That's why we're not surprised. <laughs> Black Information Network news anchors Morgan Wood and Bree Wood are here with us discussing this week's major stories. All right, so we've had a few uh, court cases this week. Um, some updates on uh, Brittany Griner, um, the uh, person who 
murdered Nipsey Hussle. And uh, some updates on R. Kelly are definitely in order. So, Bree, why don't you uh, let us know what's going on with those stories? Well, uh, R. Kelly, I guess we can start there. Mm. Um, You know, he was found guilty and he was sentenced to 30 years in prison. Mm -hmm. Uh, So they put him on suicide watch almost immediately. And R. Kelly basically turned around and said, I'm not suicidal. Um, They took him off of suicide watch at the New York City jail where he was being held. And he is now suing the jail for emotional distress. And they're saying he's saying that they violated his constitutional rights by assuming that he was going to kill himself because he got sentenced to 30 years. Yeah, he's got I believe he's got another court date coming up, if I'm not mistaken, Morgan, in another city. Yes, he is still facing charges in Illinois. He is still yeah. facing charges in um, Minnesota as well. Yes. Yeah. So he's not done yet. Um, but we'll see where that court case goes, because there's no update on whether or not he's going to drop that lawsuit against uh, New York. But as of right now, it's active. And um, Nipsey Hussle, his killer, Eric Holder, he was found guilty. They have not sentenced him as of yet. Um, but he was found guilty of murdering Nipsey Hussle. And it was over something so ridiculous, basically being called a snitch. That's what we kept hearing. And, um, you know, having seen that murder happen on camera due to the surveillance footage that was available in the parking lot area uh, where his store, the Marathon, used to be located. Um, We saw when he got shot and how he hit the ground. And it was just uh, traumatizing and and terrible. And Eric Holder, he got served some street justice, apparently, inside the prison because they had to delay uh, his verdict due to the fact that his face was swollen and his eyes were closed. So when we saw him, he still had a puffy face. He could see but you could tell he definitely got beat up on the inside. So um, I think that people feel that this is right, that it's justified, that uh, whatever his sentence is, um, I don't think they're going to go easy on him either. And, um, you know, Nipsey, Nipsey was very loved in L.A. He was very loved in the industry. Apparently, he had a lot of friends and a lot of people miss him. So um, hustle yeah. and motivate. The marathon yep. continues. So there's been a lot said about uh, Brittany Griner. A lot of people online, uh, a lot of her fellow basketball stars, athletes, yes, from both uh, male sports and female sports um, coming to her defense saying, well, if that was LeBron over there, we might not even be having this discussion. Yeah, I saw that. Um, You know, it's just a lot of, you know, would this be happening if she were a bigger star in sports? Would this be happening if she were a man? Um, You know, uh, it came out that she pled guilty. Uh, to having, I believe it was uh, cartridges mm-hmm. um, yes. that she had. And she oil. said she had no intention. Well, I'm sorry. What was that? No, you're right. It's a hashish okay. oil of cartridges, okay. cannabis cartridges. Mm-hmm. And so she had those in her luggage, right? And she basically this whole time is saying, I, I did not mean to break the law. She wasn't probably aware of uh, their particular laws where that was concerned, but she pled guilty. And my original thinking on this was that she was probably advised to do that in order to move it along because it seems as though Russia wants to negotiate. They're not just going to give her back to the United States. It feels like they're trying to have some type of negotiation happening. And the question is, what do they want? So I know that they are, they have been floating rumors about uh, the U S having a Russian prisoner here or someone of interest to, to Russia that they want in exchange for Brittany. So I don't know how true that is. I guess we'll get more details on that. But we know that her wife has been adamantly fighting for her over here, uh, Sherelle Greiner. Um, and she has done interviews. Uh, she's 
spoken publicly about the White House, spoken to the White House, and really started out complaining that the Biden administration was not doing anything to secure her wife's release. And she's finally gotten in touch with uh, uh, Biden and Harris. And I believe it was that President Biden and uh, Vice President Kamala Harris also called or recently spoke with Brittany Griner um, to discuss, I guess, how they're trying to secure her freedom. Right. So that is what is currently going on uh, with that. And uh, the president also called uh, Brittany's wife uh, to reassure her that he is working to get her released as soon as possible, um, you know, just to get her back home. But like I said, I don't know if we will ever know the real details behind what Russia is wanting in return for Brittany. Um, Moving on, the Texas schools want to use involuntary relocation uh, to describe slavery. So Morgan, uh, tell us a bit more about this one. Well, I I wish I could. Um, (laughs) For one, I'm not a Texas resident, so I don't even understand the culture of that. But um, basically a group of educators in Texas, they are suggesting um, that the Board of Education take on a new social studies curriculum for, I believe it's um, K through second graders, kindergarten, first grade, or actually the recommendation is for kindergarten through grade eight to um, to reevaluate or rename um, how we are referring to slavery as involuntary locate, uh, relocation, involuntary relocation. I think it sounds like madness. Mm. Um, let's call a spade a spade. Mm. And if you don't like spades, that's okay. Mm-hmm. You know? We know. We know you don't like the history of slavery in this country. We know that you just passed laws on how to um, basically censor or how you want to go about approaching education for children. But it is what it is. It happened. And we got it. It wasn't pretty. It wasn't. We are trying to make this about feelings instead of facts. And that's Absolutely. the problem. I was going to say, come through, Wood. Come on. <laughs> Look, Wood, hold on. Because wait, this really made me mad. And I don't have a child. But let me tell you, this was in regards to second graders. Yeah. I get it. It's hard trying to teach a subject like slavery and uh, just the theft of people from their land to children. There are going to be questions. Adults yeah. still have questions. Absolutely. That's why we had a whole big old discussion about CRT and education in high school. And it's like, come on, at a certain point, it's either you're going to teach it or you're not. Now, Ramses, I don't know about you, but growing up, I know that there was a lot in our history books that was left out. There's a lot that I didn't know. And I've told Morgan and um, a few other coworkers that I didn't even learn about Juneteenth until I was out of school. That is nothing that was ever taught to me. So I was not aware of the significance of Juneteenth until I was an adult. And I'm just like, wow. So when they proposed this um, and said, you know, involuntary relocation for second grade social studies instruction. Um, a lot of the commentary that I was reading was, you know, we, we want to be able to teach it in a way where we don't make the white children feel bad about themselves. Yeah. And, and it's like, know, well, here's the funny part about that. Because you said exactly what they meant, but not what they said. You said hmm. white children, but what they said is children. Oh, okay. Watch this. Watch this. (laughs) If your goal is to make sure that children are not 
made to feel uncomfortable, right? Doesn't that mean all children, right? It does. Now it my, should. Now, my child, uh, my first grader is going into second grade now, mm. knows exactly what this is about. I mean, okay. look who his father is, right? right. Um, and my child conceivably could be made to feel uncomfortable if he is aware that he's being fed misinformation. Absolutely. Or, or that, you know, that, that the students around him are being indoctrinated with a set of false facts that do not affirm his reality or his humanity. And I could make an, I could make a case on my child's behalf. My son is intelligent enough to make the case for himself that that makes him feel uncomfortable. Right. There you go. Right. So I think to your point earlier, we're dealing with feelings, not facts. You know what? If you go back and look at the records, they weren't called uh, involuntary relocation work or workers, or they weren't called involuntary relocation auctions, or they won't weren't hmm. called involuntary relocation um, uh, shacks or shackles. They were called right. slave auctions. They were called slave ships, and it's written on the you know the flyers, the historical documents. They yeah. couldn't yeah. show a picture of that because it'll say slave auction Monday at noon right. or Sunday at noon, you know, that sort of thing. Um, Where they were selling people. And if you have a government that didn't even consider black people a whole person until mm. a certain time in this hist in the history mm. of this country, you cannot call slavery involuntary relocation. Mm. They considered black people three fifths of a person. Go ahead. So Don't excuse me. Don't let me stop. You're not going to have teach anything. I would rather you not teach it at all if you're not going to tell the truth. And I applaud. Myself. Right. I applaud the Texas Board of Education for unanimously saying I, that ain't it. And turn them around and say, come up with something else, please. There you go. Cool. That would have okay. been ridiculous for them to even consider that. But you know Absolutely. what? Watch this. Watch this. There's a there's a textbook and it actually came from Texas. I remember reading the story. Um, might have been a handful of years ago. Couldn't tell you exactly. But uh, they uh, whitewashed. Um, that's the term that is used. I'm not trying to be overly sensational. The term is whitewashed. They mm -hmm. whitewashed slavery from a textbook. And I remember reading pages and it said workers were brought from Africa to help with the, um, the, <laughs> the plantations and the, and, the, and the crops and that sort of thing. And of course, in the, in the picture, in the color part of the textbook, it shows black workers, quote unquote, um, working alongside white workers, quote unquote, in these fields and helping kind of establish uh, you know, the, the fiscal uh, direction that this country would ultimately go in. And um, it just completely invalidated, you know, the, the roots and, and whitewashed the historical context. And, and obviously we know because of, we've been taught about who we are and where we come from. We know that there are governmental, societal, uh, systemic issues that um, create and perpetuate certain um, things that ail our community and other communities, typically uh, people who are melanated um, in this country. And we can point to our education that says, okay, we're not just born bad. We're not just born to be poor. We're not just born to work for people. There are circumstances that, you know, have created um, our reality. And if we know that these are artificial 
um, institutions or uh, uh, rules or whatever that are created by men breathing the same air as, as us, as us, you know, men and women, but often men, um, then that means that they can be changed. Those rules can be rewritten. It's like we're Neo in the matrix once we've been educated. And mm-hmm. so um, I, again, I applaud uh, the, the board of education that wholly rejected this and um, the folks that are trying to continue to yeah. whitewash that narrative, the people who fight against CRT, which is they're they're really fighting against American history. They don't want to be confronted with their past because they feel like some children might be uncomfortable. And what they mean is white children might be uncomfortable. Um, well, if they're I, uh, uncomfortable. Imagine what the black people who actually had to live through it felt like. Say that. <laughs> yeah, imagine what our ancestors felt like. Hey, and imagine I'm my discomfort. I'm going to turn your mic off. <laughs> Imagine my discomfort having to sit here and listen to what your ancestors did to my ancestors. There it is. The problem is we're not talking about you. Get out of your feelings. But this is it. History is history. And it's ugly and it's brutal. And a lot of it was systemic and still is. And it yeah. happens today just in different ways. We're not even talking about housing and discriminatory mortgaging and redlining and all that other stuff that we could be talking about. We're not talking about corporate discrimination. The proposal okay. in itself is, is, is hurtful. The proposal yeah. itself is uncomfortable to a group of people. So Texas needs to figure that one out. And just to um, back, uh, piggyback off of what you were saying, uh, Ramses, it, it's very contradictory. How do you have a book out of Texas one minute describing yourself, um, describing slaves as workers, and then the next minute you want to describe slaves as involuntary uh, 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 relocated and voluntarily relocated. Now worker working is voluntary. So (laughs) that in itself just contradicts what you guys are saying. That's well spotted. That's well spotted. And you know what else? I think that the fact that they keep doubling and tripling down on this effort shows that the language it's yes. not their primary concern. It's yes. the result, which is, again, whitewashing the history or just making sure that, you know, we we don't want to subscribe to a shared reality. We want a separate, detached reality that says that the South was just the Civil War was just about states rights and, you know, yes. all these sorts of things. And so we know this type of person. We have to deal with them from time to time and we know what their angle is. And we oftentimes realize that they are either misinformed or willfully ignorant and they don't deserve any more attention than what is necessary to prevent them from creating the world in their image, if you will. And so just interesting how these things continue to come together, but we'll keep monitoring that as with all these stories. Yeah. Uh, so I thank you both for your time today. Um, once again, our guests are Black Information News Network anchors Morgan Wood and Bree Wood. Thank you. Thank you, Ramsey. Thank you so much. This has been a production of the Black Information Network. Today's show was produced by Chris Thompson. Have some thoughts you'd like to share? Use the red microphone talkback feature on the iHeartRadio app. While you're there, be sure to hit subscribe and download all of our episodes. I'm your host, Ramses Ja, on all social media. Join us Monday as we share our news with our voice from our perspective, right here on the Black Information Network Daily Podcast.